This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. Good to have you here. You know, we're the uh, best grounded source for automotive service repair business acumen. So glad you could make it each and every day that we produce all the great shows, eight of them on the Aftermarket Radio Network per week. So much good stuff. Welcome to great panel as we talk about SOBs today. Son of bosses. Andrew Marcotte from American Pride, Virginia. Five locations. Hello, Andrew. Hey, how are you doing, Carm? Great, sir. Anthony Campanella, COO of, of Paul Campanella's Auto and Tire Center. Five locations, Delaware and Pennsylvania. Hey, Anthony. Hello, Carm. Guys, look at, I was a SOB once. <laughs> Maybe I still am. I don't know. But <laughs> I work for my dad, the family, family business. You guys, too. It's a unique dynamic that I think people look upon us as from the outside saying, wow, there's a great family business going on and it can be a hell of a challenge. It's never guaranteed just because you join the business that you're going to be as successful as your dad. And then I always think about dads being a coach, a mentor, and a father and the balance between all of that. And I know there's a lot of family businesses out there. I really want to try to pull an episode. We've never, ever done one. We have in the past, but never focused like we want to do this one. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors each and every week who make the Town Hall Academy possible. You know, it amazes me how much five-star reviews makes or breaks a shop. Get more customers falling in love with you when you offer them convenience and transparency with the industry's leading shop management system on the web at getshopware.com. And are you up to date on your training? Delphi Technologies is proud to offer over 30 courses run by ASE certified technicians for professionals. Turn the OE aftermarket supplier with over 100 years of experience. Inquire today. Talk to my friends at DelphiAftermarket.com. Andrew, I know one of the things that we all know exists is that nepotism. People look from the outside and say, oh, the only reason Andrew got a job in the family business is because dad gave it to him. Sure. Yeah, no, that's something that I think everybody who's involved in the family business is going to be exposed to in some way, shape, or form. Nepotism is something that's always been very close to our hearts and something that I've been very conscious about ever since I was a very young child. I always knew I wanted to be involved in the family business in some capacity, but I never wanted to be that guy that rode his father's coattails. Essentially, I wanted to make sure that I was bringing value to the table. I mean, I was able to build respect in my own right versus rely on my last name to do so. I so love what you just said. Here's what has to happen in my mind is that the child and the family, let's just for argument's sake, call it the dad or the mom, shouldn't let nepotism happen in the business. It should never be reflected from the outside that anyone from the outside or any of the, your peers who work in the business would ever think you got that job without earning it. Because I think the pressure on a family member is higher than anyone else in the company. And they just can't take it for granted. Listen, he's, he's still living in the basement. What do we do? Well, honey, give him a job. God, you got this great business. He can change oil, right? Okay. Comes in. And the kid never goes anywhere. Anthony, I mean, it's to me something that we have to manage. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of negative connotations that come along with being son of boss and then coming into a business. I mean, Andrew talked about it. I mean, the values that your parents give you and what they're pushing for is paramount. But I mean, I almost had to blend in a little bit, wear the same shirts, you know, make sure that I'm going through the same process and onboarding that all the other people go through because I need to be part of them. How do you win trust, Andrew? You were on the outside. You were telling me you worked for Target. 
and then you ultimately came in the business. I think it's incredibly smart. I mean, not that Anthony may have done it a, a different way, but one of the things that I love about going away and coming back or being away and then coming in, I don't care if you were working at McDonald's, there's other things to learn about being an employee. Even though you come in the business as an employee, everyone looks up to you as an owner, not an employee. And so that learning curve for you is probably immense. Yeah, it was pretty significant. So I almost say that there was a level of divine intervention to my path back to the uh, family business. I've got a lot of leadership experience, primarily through the sports aspect. I played football in college. Um, so I was able to come up with kind of my own leadership style through that. And then my initial career, I guess you could call it with Target in distribution, was 100% leadership based. I essentially had a team of 30 people that I had to motivate to do a job. And that was the task for the day. You know, go get these people to go do this. So very raw leadership that's applicable to a lot of situations. And on top of that, it was a very tenured team. They were a lot older than I was. You know, coming out of college, you're 22 years old and you're going out there, you're trying to lead a group of people that are career distribution employees in their mid 30s to 50s. You've got an uphill battle to win respect and then to build trust with that team. So I got a ton of real world experience on how to do just that, both through athletics and then my initial career with Target, plus the benefits of operating within a big corporate structure. In my household anyway, corporate doesn't necessarily have a, a good connotation. There's a lot of red tape that I had to work around when I was at Target. That was very frustrating in my mind towards forward progression. But there's a lot of value in learning how big companies operate and why they do what they do and being able to weave that into the you know smaller family business that doesn't necessarily have those layers of management, layers of leadership, layers of protection. I have to mention something about football. I met Andrew this summer in my hometown here. It was a Transformers group meeting, and I was honored to be part of it. We set up our studio, and we did an interview with an episode with most everyone there. And when Andrew says football, when I stood next to Andrew, I came up to like his chest, and I said, whoa, what a big... I can see where, how football was in your arena years ago. Yeah, I'm uh, genetically disposed to being pretty good at it, I guess you could say. I'm a pretty <laughs> big guy. I've always been big. You just brought up something so incredible. I'm genetically, football was in my world because I was kind of built for it. It's like golfers have the right muscle and you know can do everything right. When you look at athletes, Anthony, I wonder if we as SOBs, son of bosses, were genetically designed to work in the family business or to be a leader. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, genetically designed to be a leader. Wow. If I look at other family members and everything, they've been leaders in all sorts of aspects. Even my siblings, the career paths they've taken, they've been leaders in some regard. That's an interesting concept. I could see that. We look at some leaders that we would say they were a natural born leader. But then when you listen to conferences, you, you go to leadership conferences, you read leadership books, they say, listen, you got to learn to be a great leader. There's a whole lot of training and a whole lot of, you know, fail forward stuff, John Maxwell stuff to learn how to be a, a good leader. But I still think there's some intuition, some magnetism in the human side of you that would help you be even a more dynamic leader, and especially in a family business. Your stereotype from the day you joined the business. Do you think also it may be ingrained in the household when we were being brought up and everything as, as young kids? I mean, I can remember where our family and the household was almost run like a business of leadership. I don't know about you, but in my Italian family that I grew up in, I think, like it or not, I was going to be in it. Even if I was great in football, Andrew, I was going to be in the family business if I liked it or not, if I loved it or not. 
there was an awful lot of pressure. I always wanted to please my dad. I always wanted to do things that were beyond what his expectations were, even though he never set a lot of them. It's just how I was raised to want to really do good. And one of the things that my dad never did was give me any positive affirmations and or direction. I was always searching and trying to find it of my very own. And I hope that's not happening with you guys. No, I think nowadays you that you can't operate like the more traditional kind of old school environments. The vast majority of leadership development that you'll do nowadays shows the effectiveness of positive affirmations being 10 times that of correcting behavior you don't want to see. They're telling you to look for very minor wins and bring those to the attention to build the momentum for your teams in order to start with something small and build to something big versus kind of an, an I got you approach of I caught you. That's wrong. I'll do that again. It's not nearly as effective. I think my father did a great job of that growing up. You know, to build off of Anthony's point earlier about it being kind of predisposed potentially, or is your family run that way? My siblings are, again, all leaders in their own respect. My sister's applying to medical school right now to go become an MD. My brother operates a, a separate business from ours in Williamsburg. He's a businessman as well. My dad always looked at his responsibility to develop productive members of society, I guess, with his children, people that can go and add value to those around them, not necessarily remove obstacles to make their path through life any easier, but more or make sure that they're prepared for the world, good, bad, or, or ugly. You know, after I sold our family business, I went to work for a very large business that was family-run and operated that I knew pretty well. In my mind, they were the epitome of a well-run family business. Roles, responsibilities defined, decision-making processes. And there is, Anthony, some really good stuff to take away from being in a family business. Yeah, it's so funny. I started to giggle when Andrew was talking because there's a saying that's been passed down in my family, from my grandparents to my parents and aunts and uncles is, it doesn't matter if you're shoveling elephant crap against the tide, you better be the best at it. That's the motto and what they've kind of preached throughout. So, How do you draw the line between work and personal? What's the Thanksgiving dinner table like? That's actually when the realization happened was over a meal, probably one of the most important things in an Italian family. We were at dinner and we realized that we weren't being as productive talking about work with the family dinner aspect of it. And if we couldn't solve it during the day, then we can't let it interfere with our personal time. And it's so funny, it's all over food <laughs> when it comes to us. I can relate to that. Yeah. Every single day we had lunch at grandma's house, who was kind of the matriarch. Anyway, I'm digressing. I didn't mean to go there, but every once in a while I let that personal stuff slip. Andrew, how about for you? So work-life balance is pretty interesting in our family. It's something that's kind of just naturally fallen into place. And I think a lot of that was because of my upbringing. As anybody knows, and when you're bootstrapping a business, which is exactly where my father started um, as a one-man show and then kind of grown into where we're at now, it's a very stressful time. Money is super tight. And there's You don't know if you're going to make payroll in certain issues in the beginning stages. And my parents have very different tolerances for risk. My dad is much more risk. He's okay with more risk than my mother is essentially. My, my mom's very risk averse. And my dad learned early on that if he brought the trouble from work home with my mom, it was counterproductive to their their life and their relationship, which stressed her out. And so they have always done a good job of work-life balance, which has always been modeled for me, obviously growing up under their leadership and their parenthood. And so it's something that's come naturally to me to the point where my wife actually tries to draw more out 
of me at the end of the workday um, to get more detail and try to figure out more of what's going on in the day to day. But I never saw that growing up because my parents didn't have a, a lot of discussions over the dinner table. Does your wife draw that out because she knows it's a stress buster for you to be able to talk it out? I don't think so. My wife's also very driven. She's a high level HR executive for a uh, manufacturing plant in town. So she loves solving problems and she loves kind of knowing the nitty gritty details. She's an engineer by her training and her schooling. So that's just kind of how her mind works. Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a canned job. Check. Order parts from a menu that includes every supplier within seconds. Check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours. Check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then, get this, they pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Anthony, staff interaction, do they look at you for a lot more than you normally expect? They do. They have pretty high expectations of me. When I've been brought up through the business, there's people that still work with us that saw me as a little kid. And then now we've grown and built a nucleus around me past that. And you know, it doesn't matter what, if it's a vehicle issue, whether it's a personnel issue, any of the instances, because they know that my dad's ingrained exactly how he would do it with me. I mean, that took years and years of experience and exposure to get that. And they turned to me for a lot of different things. And Andrew, you, you can probably relate where it's just like, you never know what's going to get thrown at you. And every day is a new day. That's for sure. I think we need a reality TV show. Yeah, we definitely lack consistency in the day-to-day -day operation as far as what gets on put on my plate. It could be, you know, HR one day and you know, I need some help with a, a problem customer one day and, you know, the list goes on and on. I can't believe your dad would do that to you, Andrew. That's probably more what I do to myself. We kind of have a set date as far as the session is concerned. He knows he's on uh, essentially like a three-year timeline. He wants to retire by the time that he's 60. So I've been slowly taking more and more off of his plate to the point where he can work on bigger and better projects and the stuff that lights the fire within him at this point. I love your dad. He's a smart guy. I've been on the show a lot. Charlie, 
Do you think this is all purposely designed, just waiting for you to grab stuff so he doesn't have to give it to you? Uh, that might be driven more by my personality. I try to epitomize servant leadership, essentially, and be there to alleviate stress from everybody under my purview, both up and down. And so when I'm finding something that he doesn't either enjoy doing or I'm going to see somewhere where I can add value um, and remove something from his plate, I'm relatively proactive in, in asking for that. So I'm a, kind of a victim of my own situation at this point. Andrew, you're the only family member in the business, right? In the business, yes. Anthony, are there more than just you and other family? No, I'm the only family member in the business. Our discussions evolved quite a bit. When we would talk about work, especially when I lived at home and was working with them, it was like you couldn't escape. But we came to the conclusion that we need to have some sort of expectation when we talk about something. When this change of leadership happens and I'm talking to my dad, the result we would have was he'd jump in and try to fix it or do something or affect it. And I needed to set the expectation of, hey, dad, you know, with this conversation, I need help. I need you to interact. Or I just need advice of what I should do. Or, hey, you know what? I'm just looking to vent. And then communicating that was probably one of the biggest things that we ever did. Instead of just, yes, sir, I'll have another and salute and take the task and go do it. Anthony says, wait a minute. Now Anthony starts to bring in his perspective, his ideas into the task so that when it gets done, dad's not going to be upset that it's a hybrid version of what he wanted and what Anthony wanted. Nowadays, more than ever, clear and concise communication is very important. And being in intentional, which is exactly what Anthony showed in what he just brought up and what you need and the support that you need is vital. I mean, at the end of the day, if your business is anything like ours, it's evolved to the point where, you know, my dad's kind of scared to get involved in the day to day. You know, last thing he wants is to jump on to the counter and try to operate our systems and navigate all the technology and stuff like that. And it's not unheard of for him to just assume things are going really well. If I'm not communicating effectively with him, that I, I really do need some assistance in any kind of an area. I don't want to work that counter anymore. I don't want to turn that wrench anymore. I don't want to do HR anymore. I don't want to do finance anymore. I just want to be the visionary. And do you find yourself, Andrew, as being more of the integrator for your dad? I would say beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm, I'm the integrator in the company. He's a very quintessential visionary. When we took the you know the rocket fuel test, he, he scored very highly on the, the visionary side and I, I scored more on the integrator side. And we complement each other really well in our ability to come up with ideas and put them in progress. I say that's one of our biggest differentiators from our competition is any training that we take gets implemented. And we're very intentional about making sure that changes are made when there's a better way of doing something. I love it. You were saying, Dad, three years when he's 60, will you grow into being the visionary? Yes, I will. To effectively succeed somebody, there needs to be a plan in place and a support staff for when that happens. The last thing you'd want to do is for the president of a company essentially to disappear, the vice president to step up and have nobody to support him in the new role. So we've got a leadership team. I've got an operations manager, CFO, and a, a couple other key positions, one of them being an internal technical trainer, then somebody that we have in a leadership pipeline to essentially fill the role of the, the COO for us once that transition happens. So we're putting all the bricks in place now so that strong foundation is still set once the session happens. Do your people know about this plan? Yes, they're long-term employees of ours that have earned this, this opportunity, essentially. I was one of those people and I worked for you and you helped outline the opportunity and or career pathing that I would have. Probably very honored and wanted to be a sponge to learn as much as I could so that I could assume that role. 
Yeah. So not to beat a dead horse, um, this is you know what I shared on our last call that we made is what really drives me for expansion and for furthering the business isn't more opportunity for myself. My financial needs are all met. I'm very happy with you know where things are at right now. It's really to provide opportunity for those on our team to provide them that next step in their career. I want everybody to be able to have their career goals met financially and responsibility-wise underneath the American Pride umbrella. In order to do that, you have to add locations so that you can add layers of, of leadership and create opportunities for people to move up. When you have low turnover, you don't really have the opportunity to wait for the next person to quote unquote, you know, age out or move on because that's going to be a long time for that to happen. So in order to provide those steps from a career advancement standpoint, growth is necessary. Tough question for both of you, the value that you bring that your dad did or does not to the business. You've got to be two different kind of people. You approach things differently. Be great for the audience to hear how you see your role versus your dad's maybe strengths and or weaknesses. My dad and I do complement each other well. He is a little bit different than I am because he's so extroverted and he is a visionary like Andrew's dad is. And his strengths of going off of gut and his experiences and everything that's taken years and years to happen is a huge, huge plus for him. I came from not wanting to be in this industry, then back into it after leaving my career path. And my data-driven, quantifiable research. I mean, that's what I use to substantiate any of the decisions that we had to make. So did I have the luxury of the experience and gut feel from him? No, I didn't. I was just a lot younger. So I used numbers and data tracking in order to shorten that time I would have had to go through with experiences to make good decisions. And we complement each other well in that way because I'm very data-driven. He is not. And so you wonder how dad made it the same decision you did from his gut and you had all the data. He's so good with it. I mean, there's times where I'll, I'll come through with a report and he's like, I had a feeling that that was going on or that's the direction we were heading. I'm like, yep, well, you're right. <laughs> it could be just how he's wired. It could be that he's a deep thinker and he's always plugged in and he feel the numbers and everything that's going on in the business. Versus you, you, you've got to do it the old-fashioned way, maybe not the old-fashioned way. You've got to have the data. You'll be the probably the best financial guy for the business, right? Trying to be. Andrew, how about you and your perspective on that? Yeah, so our stories are very similar as far as Anthony and mine. My father, again, is a very big go-by-your-gut type person. He has what he calls a, a smell-good test. So when he thinks, if he you know walks into a store, he can tell within a couple of minutes if it's performing well or not. By, and he says it's by how it smells. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. But I'm much more data-driven and provide kind of, I guess, a series of structure. So my father's been a, a self-made man. He was a you know only man of the house, essentially, from the time he was five up until he joined the army. He's got three sisters. So he's got a lot of responsibility from a really young age, which his upbringing was very different than mine, I guess you could say. It was very shaped by it. Upon leaving the military, he was on his own again, did a short stint in real estate before getting involved in the automotive world out of necessity, trying to find a way to put food on the table. And you essentially just figure out as you're going. And I try to leverage my background of a more structured kind of career with my time at Target and then what I learned through athletics as well to provide some more structure and to validate the decisions that we're making to just offer a uh, check and a balance. I guess you could say that we're either making the right decision or we really need to reconsider this because the data is not backing up the gut feel. And what the gut feel we have found results in is a lot of emotional decisions being made versus more, I guess you 
you could say, quote unquote, logical decisions that are backed by data that that might be a better long term solution. I don't know about you, Anthony, but the smell test, that's a cool thing. I mean, you're probably dad has that too, right? He does. It's funny. He can walk into one of our locations and he just gets that vibe. He understands what's going on pretty quickly. And now that we can be proactive and put these sort of numbers and data tracking tools in front of him with all the different softwares and everything we have now, it's, it's helped him a lot. It's helped him a lot. I love this. Guys, what's the best thing your dad ever taught you? Man, that's a loaded question. I'd say it probably builds off what Anthony said earlier. I mean, I hate to steal something off of his plate, but the quote that he used about be the best elephant poop shoveler out there, what my father has instilled in me is that if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And it's not worth cutting corners. Sometimes it stings in the moment, but in the long run, that kind of transparency and trust pays dividends. And that's what allows a small business to grow by word of mouth, which is primarily what we've done, is by truly taking care of people and allowing that to, to spread out into the community and really help us change the perception of our industry. Automotive is not does not have a good reputation, I guess you could say. Everybody seems to have a, a situation where they've been abused in the past. And the last thing I would want is somebody leaving American Pride thinking, I got taken advantage of. Um, I want them to think they made a wise decision and they dealt with people of integrity and were treated fairly through the process. Anthony, any best thing your dad ever taught you? Man, just listening to Andrew, I just went through a ton of memories in a short period of time. I remember back to some of the tough times I had coming into the business. My dad told me to always stick it out. It's going to be worth it. He always would say, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And he taught me some persistence that I don't think I would have gotten anyplace else. And he also taught me some great communication skills because in our small town, our name is everything. I didn't realize that. I always hated when we'd go to the mall or out to a restaurant and he knew everyone because I'm like, oh, here we go again. We can't put in an order because he's talking to everyone. And the value of our network for internal and external customers, right? But just being involved in the community and and being that positive person for an automotive field that has just all the reputation against them. Camp Nellis decides to be that way outside of everyone else in our community. Wow. Can I so relate to that? The Capriato name was so strong in the decades and decades and decades that they were, we were part of that community. Thank you for bringing back that memory for me. Guys, you're both members of a COO group through Transformers. What's it taught you, Andrew? Really what it's taught me is kind of reteaching, I guess you could say. So we've all heard the old adage, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. That could not be more true and couldn't be validated more with my time with Transformers. The accountability and I guess showing me the way that my peers have been able to do through that group is paramount in my own personal growth. And it's had immense effects on, on our company and our family by proxy. Cool, cool. Anthony? I just started with Transformers not too long ago. I have talked with some of the COOs and it's, I guess my biggest take is it's amazing how much an operator, a COO is a cornerstone of a business. We always, as coming up as leaders, managing subordinates, right, Andrew? But now even managing up and talking with CEOs and people that are right there beside you, CFOs and everything, it's a different realm. It takes a special yeah. person to do it. it. Sure does. One other thing that's interesting or worthwhile mentioning, I guess, is for us, I remember some very profound moments sitting in the room. This was more on the ownership side. You know, I, was, I was part of the ownership groups before I joined the CLO ones for about a year and a half. And I remember us thinking that we were pretty good. We don't really have a lot of independent competition in our area. The only big names out there are dealerships and we're the only multi-shop, I guess, 
independent business that's around. And we thought we, we only knew what we knew. And then going out there and being around these other operations that were operating at a much higher level than us really opened our eyes to what is possible. We had no idea that we could make some changes internally and raise our bar exponentially because there was nobody around us to push us. And being out there and seeing what other people are able to do and being opening your eyes to mentorship, um, either from a peer or from a, a mentor itself, is profound. I love what you said. I'll summarize it. You had a chance to see the possibilities and the bigger places, the well-run places, not that you aren't, but what you could learn to emulate. Our audience, let's make an assumption, shop owners, technicians, some that want to be in the business, some that are in family businesses, some that want to start a business and make it a family business. And the dynamic of bringing in family, succeeding to family is not as easy as just snapping your fingers. It just doesn't work like that. It requires a lot of hard work. So in your final words to the individual listening, and you guys are in the succession plans how the family fits, how the son of boss, the daughter of boss fits succession. I'm sure if I asked you to do a keynote on family succession, you'd probably come up with a couple of great pointers. I think the most important thing, especially when you're talking about succession, is knowing the motives. You're either trying to succeed somebody in a business or look for a partner or becoming involved in a business in some capacity, family or not, is knowing the motives of those people you're working alongside. It changes very drastically if you're working with somebody who's looking to maximize a payout and maybe you know look for a cash out option you know five ten years down the line versus somebody's looking to build a legacy business and wants that name to continue and to grow and if you guys are operating from different points of view from different motives, I don't see it being a calm I guess partnership I could say so making sure that everybody's in absolute alignment and meeting regularly and continuing to keep the mission, vision, and value statement on the forefront of those conversations is very important. Here I'm a shop owner as an example, and I'm 65. He says, so, so what are your plans? Oh, I'm going to give it to my kids. That wasn't quite the right thing to say <laughs> because you're to your point. Where's the motive in figuring it out? Well, maybe I'll talk to my attorney one day and he'll figure it out. Maybe I'll talk to my accountant, but the kids will get it. Are you going to die and leave it to them? Well, maybe if it happens, it happens. The planning that you basically are both talking about, a true, honest to God plan. And some parents, they don't want to leave. And if the son or the daughter knows that, they need to say, listen, dad, we'd love you to be around forever, but not in the kind of role that you have. And I guess so much of what we're here to talk about is to your point, Andrew, we need some structure. We need to know. If not, the kid's never going to step up. The kid may not even stick around because they're never going to know when. And I know even me, you have pent up things, you stuff you want to do, but you can't get it done because dad doesn't offer the opportunity for you to step up. You're in the shadow of the family. And Anthony, I can't think of a better thing than the Italian family. Hey, he's born in this thing. He's going to be okay. He's going to loy. He knows everything I know. It just doesn't work like that. Anthony, your final word. I mean, just to build off what Andrew said, once you have the vision, everyone's on the same page. You know, the communications key, it's going to be tough going through that. And I guess the only other thing I would say is, through these tough times, it can be hard to relate to that family member, but don't take it for granted. There's going to be a time where you look back and you're like, you know what? I'd like to bicker about break lays or go back and forth with my dad one time. There's going to be a time where they're not going to be able to work with you anymore. And make sure you cherish that. 
make sure that you don't take that for granted. Wow. What a great summary, guys. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed this. I think it was a pretty straight up talk about succession and family business. Andrew Marcotte from American Pride and Anthony Campanello from Paul Campanello's Auto Entire. Thank you guys so much for being here. Appreciate it. Now, I'm sure if you're listening and you learned something, I'm positive you did. Now, just go do something with it. Thanks. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.